0: Thank you, um, many of you that uh, prayed and kind of followed along uh, in our blog. Uh, for those of us that were on the mission trip here the last uh, eight days or so, we got back late Wednesday night, and um, we're going to share more about that in the weeks to come, but it could not have gone any, any smoother in terms of, um, you know, just travel and, and uh, health and, and all that stuff for folks, so really appreciate uh, you guys for partnering with us in that, um, Today uh, is is uh, those of you that we have a lot several new people that maybe are new to us here in the last couple of months. Um, a couple of years ago, we started um, what we call a Sabbath service uh, that we have once every six to eight weeks or so, and, and today is going to be one of those services. Um, it's a time when we uh, kind of take a step back from for me blabbing so much. And um, uh, we sing a few more songs. We give you a little bit more time for reflection on just where you're at with God and with others. Um, and also, I'm going to be asking you to kind of participate with me a little bit in some discussion today. Um, so I want you to, to uh, prepare yourself to be a participant today and not just a recipient of information. Um, that would be helpful. Or if you just want to watch me sit up here and die, you can do that too. So... This past Wednesday, if you didn't know it, uh, marked the beginning of the Lent season. Um, Ash Wednesday uh, was this past week. Um, With most of our, a lot of our leadership uh, gone, we did not have an Ash Wednesday service, but this Sunday, today, is the first um, Sunday of Lent. And that will take us up to the celebration of Easter here in, in about six weeks. Um, Lent uh, it serves pretty much the same purpose as Advent. If you guys were around during the Christmas season, Advent was that period of time, the four Sundays leading up to um, Christmas. And Advent is a season of preparation, of uh, kind of taking a look at your, at your life, um, how you're living it. In terms of Christmas, we talk about during that time kind of creating some space and some room, not only in our schedule, but in our hearts, that, that we might truly receive the gift of Jesus at Christmas, that we're not so busy or tired or distracted by, uh, you know, the world's way of celebrating that holiday, that we kind of get to the end of Christmas and just think, man, I, I miss Jesus uh, in the midst of, of all of that. Um, Lent is much the same. It serves somewhat of the same purpose to to act as a, a season of preparation as we head into the celebration of Easter, that we might examine our lives, and so that when we get to that time of celebrating, you know, Easter and Christ's resurrection, that we haven't missed kind of the front end of the story, which is getting a better understanding of who we are and who Christ is and why he needed to suffer and die for us. And so uh, for us to really truly celebrate what Easter is all about, we have to fully enter into the front side of that story, you know, the part that leads up to Christ's resurrection. So I um, just want to ask and begin a conversation about this issue of Lent. How many of you grew up in a, some kind of church environment where you celebrated Lent as a part of the normal practice of being in church as a, as a kid, Okay. So those of you that did that, there's a few of you out there, what are your memories of Lent, uh, good or bad? What, what did you take away from that experience growing up? What, what stands out to you about what celebrating Lent was like in your church experience? I know exactly who all of you are that raised your hands, so I will come around you if I have to. Yes, Barb? I was raised Catholic. Okay. I Catholic school and had to give something up for Lent, so I always gave up liver. Always gave up liver yeah looking for the loophole right okay yeah so that's one thing about Lent a lot of times uh, people will say you know to that you need to give something up um in, in order to sacrifice something because Jesus sacrificed for us and so that's that's one thing that can be associated with Lent what else anything else yeah Nick eating fish on Fridays but he doesn't remember why. Okay, I've found that a lot, lot with people. They, they did some things and they're like, I'm not really sure why I did that, but I guess that's part of the deal. Anybody else, anybody have any other lint memories? Yes, Rob. Okay, yeah, excellent. A little pride in the, in, the, in, the, in the ash, in the ash on your forehead. Yeah, we'll talk about what that, that means and signifies as well this morning, okay? So yeah, definitely some, some people that have had some experience with that. A lot of you, um, like me, uh, I didn't grow up going to church at all. So or some of you grew up in church experiences that really didn't put a lot of emphasis on Lent, and some people think, oh, that's just kind of a Catholic thing, or, um, you know, as I've grown in my relationship with Christ and been around church longer and started to look into some of these things like Advent, like Lent, I understand um, that these are things that have been around for thousands of years now in the Christian tradition, and there's some significant meaning behind these things, and so we want to learn more about that, and we want to reclaim Uh, the real purpose and meaning behind what that is, because I feel like there's some really valuable things that we can learn from that. So this past week, I spent some time just kind of studying Lent and its history. I didn't really know a whole lot about it, so I looked into it a little bit. The word itself uh, comes from an Anglo-Saxon term, lengthen, which means to lengthen. And so if you think about when this is happening in the spring, the days are lengthening. Um, So that's one aspect of it, but it's also just this idea of lengthening our faith as well, stretching us. Uh, during this time, mention of Lent goes all the way back to the time of the apostles. Right after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, there's mention of this, of this preparation for Easter. But at that time, in the very beginning, it was just a two to three day fast right before Easter. About 300 years later, you have this gathering of churches called the Council of Nicaea. From that, we get the Nicene Creed. If you've ever heard of that, it's, it's kind of a, a statement of what we believe as Christians. But Lent is mentioned in, in their uh, notes at that time, and that was the first time it was, it was kind of uh, understood that it was a 40-day period of fasting. But it really wasn't until about 600 A.D. till it it kind of was formed into what we know it today. So today, the season of Lent, is a 40-day period which does not include Sundays and starts on Ash Wednesday and ends on Easter. And so that's kind of where we get the tradition. Now, some people would ask, if you don't know some of the history behind it, why 40 days? Well, 40 days is very significant in the Bible. Um, some, Some significant things happened around that. Uh, Noah was on the ark uh, for 40 days of of rain, and that was a real time of God kind of purifying and cleansing the world of sin. Moses then went up on the mountain with God, and he prayed and fasted for 40 days when he was receiving the 10 commandments. And so God gave us his law uh, through a 40-day experience, and then when we see Jesus come, As he's preparing to go into ministry, he's baptized, and then he goes out into the desert for 40 days where he fasts and and is preparing himself for the ministry that he knows lays ahead of him, and Satan comes and tempts him. Um, So, uh, you know, Lent is supposed to signify kind of that similar 40-day experience And then it's in the 600s AD that that Pope Gregory, for the first time, uh, institutes the practice of putting ashes on your forehead, usually in the sign of a cross. Um, And that had a couple different meanings. One, um, it's supposed to be a symbol of repentance. If you look in the Old Testament and you read about people who repented, it says that they would repent in in sackcloth and ashes. And so ashes has always been kind of a, a symbol of repentance. And it's also a symbol of our mortality. From the very beginning, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when you see the fall of man, Adam and Eve, uh, bringing sin into the world, in Genesis 3.19, God reminds us that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And one of the reasons why I think it's difficult for us as Americans to kind of to latch on to this whole idea of Lent is because we are not a culture that really spends a lot of time dwelling on our mortality. As a matter of fact, we... Um, do just about everything we can to ignore the fact that one day we might actually die. We, we invest a lot of resources, a lot of money in trying to live as long as we can and trying to look as young as we can while we're doing it, right? We also are in a, in a culture, I think, that doesn't place a lot of value on self-examination and reflection. In fact, I would think that our society and our actions would show just exactly the opposite, that, that we really value distraction we, we value busyness, anything that we can do to keep us from, from kind of taking an honest look at who we are and how we're relating to God and others. Many of us are masters at, at wearing a mask of self-protection. We, we put this best face on uh, to try to make it look like we've got things together uh, so that people you know, don't ask us really what's going on inside of our hearts. We prefer to surround ourselves with acquaintances who allow our, ourselves to continue, allow us to continue to fool ourselves, people that um, you know, our relationships are rarely deep enough to speak the truth and love to one another, especially when it's, it's hard stuff to hear, or maybe even when we're the person that really needs to say something difficult to somebody else. So for many of us, the spirit of, of Lent and this, this call. Of self-examination is a really foreign way uh, to view life in terms of how we normally go about operating and relating to God and others, which is exactly why we need to learn how to engage in this season in a way that, that paints a more accurate picture of, of who we are and what God's love is for us and what that means. So that's just the kickoff round of our talk this morning. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. We're going to go back into a time of worship here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this season of Lent. God, I just know that there's just so much value in it. We're going to talk more about what, what you have for us during this time. God, I just acknowledge, and maybe we all can, kind of on the front end, <laughs> that I, I kind of like to hide I kind of like to 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 fool myself surround myself with other people who um, pat me on the back more than they ask me some tough questions about my life and so i just confess god that i need to be more real and more genuine more honest heavenly father we give you this morning we thank you for your presence here We thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. No matter how we got here this morning, whether this is our first time or our 100th time, Lord, we want your message of love, your message of truth to hit us in a fresh way today. God, what do you have for us in this moment, in this service right now? Heavenly Father, we just um, give you this time of worship. Lord, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, Father, we come here on Sunday morning because you are worthy of our praise and honor And our adoration. It's not about what we get out of this service. What songs we choose to sing. God, it's all about you. And uh, just an appreciation for who you are and what you've done. So I pray that that would be our spirit and our heart today as we worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we continue. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6. Well, those of you that were around during Advent, um, I had a, a devotional book that I would share from sometimes, um, kind of a daily Advent devotional, and uh, the same author, uh, Walter and Jr., not to be mistaken with Walter wingerin Sr. Um, he also has a devotional for the season of Lent that I want to share uh, a passage that I read this week from. So uh, just kind of keeping in mind what we just read in Isaiah 53 and what we're going to read here, I want you to, um, you know, just, just kind of listen, but also kind of be listening for how God might be speaking to you as we read through this. He says, In mirrors I see myself, but in mirrors made of glass and silver I never see the whole of myself. I see the me I want to see, and I ignore the rest. Mirrors that hide nothing hurt me. They reveal an ugliness I'd rather deny. Oh, what a coward I am, and what a fool. Only when I have the courage fully to look, clearly to know myself, even the evil of myself, will I admit my need for healing. My denial of my sin protects, preserves, perpetuates that sin. Ugliness in me, while I live in illusions, can only grow the uglier. Mirrors that hide nothing hurt me, but this is the hurt of purging and precious renewal, and these are mirrors of dangerous grace. The passion of Christ, his suffering, and his death is such a mirror. It is myself in my extremest truth, my sinful self. The death he died reflects a selfishness so extreme that by it I was divorced from God and life and light completely. I raised myself higher than God. But because the Lord God is the only true God, my pride did no more in the end than to condemn this false god of myself to death. For God will be God, and all false gods will fall before him. So that's what I see reflected in the mirror of Christ's crucifixion, my death, my rightful punishment, my sin and its just consequence, me. And precisely because it is so accurate, the sight is nearly intolerable. Nevertheless, I will not avoid this mirror No, I will carefully rehearse again this year the passion of my Jesus with courage, with clarity and faith for this is the mirror of dangerous grace purging more purely than any other. The suffering and death of Christ is a mirror in which I receive the most accurate reflection of my sin and who I am apart from him. So how did uh, maybe that verse we started off with from Isaiah or anything that I just read in that passage, anything stand out to you, anything speak to you as we read through that? Could you cue those cricket noises back there? That'd be awesome. Anybody? Yeah, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, the, the passion in the speech, just how how much feeling there is to that. That uh, there's nothing, there's nothing serene and composed and nice and quiet about how that he was feeling when he said that. You know. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's saying that you can tell by the passion in the author's voice, kind of mirroring the passion of, you know, the agony that, of which Christ suffered. It's, it's hard for us sometimes to kind of match that level of emotion or get ourselves to a place where we're feeling the weight of, of what Christ has done. So, any other thoughts Things stand out to you? Yeah, Gary. Yeah? But you see the reflection of yourself, and if you're truthful, you are saying to yourself, boy, have I got people fooled if this is what they see. Mm. Because there's a whole lot more behind that reflection. Yeah. I think a mirror is, is great if that's all you want to see is what's on the outside. But but we know in our mind when we pass a mirror that that's that's not what, what is really going on. Yeah. The Bible talks about that we see ourselves uh, as in a mirror. Uh, we only partially see you know, and understand even Christ. Um, and yeah, wouldn't it be overwhelming to be able to have a mirror that would expose the darkness in our own hearts? Um, yeah. If you want to not make some money, invent one of those mirrors, right? <laughs> What else? Anything else? That's a good observation. Yeah, Stacy. I think in the early part of the quote from the book, it said something about the courage to look in the mirror um, of the the cross, and uh, I don't think any one of us is completely <clears throat> deceived that there are things that are corrupt and um, ugly within us, but to really, really examine what that is does take a lot of courage, and I know that I would rather cower in not now okay she's saying that you know taking a look an honest look at yourself requires a lot of courage and um and it's hard sometimes to to muster that up um because it's 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 disturbing uh to see our true selves and also we know that probably if we really deal with reality that then it's going to require change which then requires more work and more courage and so sometimes it feels easier uh to just continue to kind of live a lie Anything else? Those are all good things. Um, another quote from this devotional that I read this week I want to share with you. It says, Ancient likewise is a season of Lent when the Christian is encouraged to think of her death and that sin that caused it, to examine herself, to know herself so deeply and well that knowledge becomes confession. Knowledge becomes confession. You see, knowledge is different than just information, isn't it? I mean, earlier in the service, I gave you a lot of information about Lent, but that information alone didn't necessarily cause you to begin confessing and changing your life. There's something much deeper that goes on in terms of knowledge. In school, all of us are either in school or have been to school, we were bombarded for however many years that was, 15, 20 or more for some of us, we were bombarded with information, right? You're constantly taking notes, you know, reading chapters, just all this information is coming at us. But you and I both know that that information alone, just just receiving information, doesn't mean that we really know the information, all right? We might be able to repeat it, you know, 30 minutes later on a test, but... um, it doesn't mean we really understand it. It's really only when we can take that information that's been given to us and we can put it into some kind of context or experience that we can kind of relate to that then that knowledge, that, 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 that information becomes knowledge and changes the way in which we act or live or think about something. So having knowledge of our true self, only when we really have knowledge can it lead to confession. But in order to get to that place, of knowledge leading to confession, we have to make sure that we are gazing into the right mirror see i don 't know about you, but um, there 's something that i 've noticed in life is that there are fat mirrors and skinny mirrors. Have you noticed this, you know? You're used to seeing your reflection in your mirror at home and then you go to somebody else's mirror or maybe their door mirror especially. I like those sometimes. Seems like the longer and thinner it stretches it out, the skinnier I look. I like those mirrors, right? But you have mirrors that you look in sometimes and it makes you just look like a big old turd. I mean, you're just like pumpkin head, you know? Holy moly, you know what? I'm really that big, you know? And then you go to some other mirrors and you're like, yeah, you know? But you know that the truth probably lies somewhere in between those two reflections, right? It's probably not as bad or as good as as you'd like to think it is. In the same way, I think in life, we kind of gravitate towards some different mirrors that are gonna tell us what we wanna hear. Or sometimes we're, um, our our image um, that's reflected back to us through other people. Sometimes we we kind of like surrounding ourselves with people that are gonna tell us that we look really good that we really got it together in life, that we're on the right track. You know, you're a great guy and you're a great gal and blah, blah, blah. Other times we're we're forced maybe in situations to be around some people who are really critical of us. Maybe you grew up in a home where you had this critical spirit around or or you're married to one or I could be that guy sometimes to others. And so we have a warped image of ourselves there as well because people paint this picture that we're really worse than we really are too. And the truth is somewhere in between. And and as followers of Christ, our role is to put ourselves in front of the accurate mirror. The accurate mirror that's going to be a true reflection of who we really are so we can truly know ourselves. I came across a great summation of Lent in reading this week. It says, The spirit of Lent is the spirit of Christ crucified. Therefore, whatever enables us to better understand Christ's passion and death and deepens our responsive love for His great love towards us should be fostered during the Lenten season. We have to take the time to look into the passion of Christ, because information about Jesus suffering for us—that information has to become knowledge uh, to, that leads into confession and it leads to change. It's information and knowledge that never gets old. So I have some, as we, as we head out from today, I have some very practical suggestions for you. Um, if you've never really engaged in Lent before, or maybe if you've experienced some practices in the past that just haven't been that satisfying or enlightening, um, here's some things I think that, that you might consider. Um, one is to read the Bible. Um, that might be a new piece of information for some of us, who knows? Uh, some of you are used to that, but I guess during the season of Lent, I would maybe encourage you to spend some time focusing on the passion narrative, uh, the, the events and, and uh, the days and weeks kind of leading up to the cross, you know, the Last Supper and and um, you know, the trial and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and some of those things. But I want to encourage you to maybe do it in a different way than maybe you have in the past, as opposed to just kind of reading through a story and then closing it and saying a quick prayer and heading out on your day. I would encourage you to just take it in very small chunks and skip around to some different parts. Each, each uh, gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, kind of has a different perspective and includes some different stories from different angles. Spend some time hopping around to some different, different gospels. And, and I want you to encourage you to, to meditate on it. And what I mean by that is is read the story and then close your eyes or write in a journal and really try to picture the scene. I want you to try to think of the sights, the sounds, the the smells, the tastes, all those senses, what's going on in the life of Jesus, in the minds of his disciples and his followers when they're hearing Jesus talk about the things that he's done. What's going through Jesus' mind as he's being beaten by the people that he created Put yourself in that place and let it kind of sink in the weight of what that feels like and what those people might have been experiencing. Because guys, they didn't know what was coming on the other end. So it's really hard for us working backwards, knowing that the resurrection happened, to get into the mindset of what it was like for the disciples and his followers, to hear this information and to see Jesus going through this, not really knowing what resurrection looked like. It really um, gives you a whole different perspective. Another thing that I might encourage you to do is just practice daily confession. I don't know how many of you are used to doing that. Um, I usually tend to kind of build up an account and maybe, you know, every few days or once a week or once a month, I'll dump it all at the, at the cross, you know. It kind of loses a little bit of its effect, I think, when we do that, as opposed to as we go through the day, really asking God, God, open my eyes to see my sin moment by moment. So that as I have you know, thoughts I shouldn't have or say things I shouldn't or respond to somebody or don't respond to somebody, that I say, God, I want you to show me that right now. I want to I lay that at your feet and be forgiven of that now. I want to have a right heart as I go about my day. So it might mean that you really praying and God say, God, reveal some things to me. Help me to see my sin and help me to not you know, live some of the lies that I'm living or believing in about myself. Finally, just as a a sense of just kind of orienting yourself each day, I might encourage you to like put a little cross, you know, like a little wooden one, or if you have jewelry, you know, a necklace or something, put it someplace where you're going to see it a few times a day. Maybe, you know, by your mirror or on the dashboard or by your computer at work and, and maybe even come up with kind of a prayer that you can say each time you look at that. Whatever it is you feel like you need God to do, if it's revealing your sin to him, if, if it's God, I need to understand your sacrifice for me better and just pray that every time you see it and just get in the pattern of, of just going to God and saying, God, I need to see you better through that. Use that as a reminder. And I want us all to remember as we head into this, and obviously, as I say with a lot of things around here, all I'm doing is just extending an invitation to you. I can't make you do anything. You can walk out of here today and go about your life and just kind of pretend like this isn't Lent and we're not supposed to be focusing on anything and there's nothing I can do about that. But if you choose to engage with us, then I would want to ask you to um, go into this season with a very positive context. Because I think sometimes, obviously, you know, we're dealing with a subject that feels really heavy. You know, when we're looking at ourselves and really examining ourselves and trying to be honest with who we are, there's a heaviness that comes with that. But we have to remember, um, and maybe there's a heaviness about uh, you know, ways in which we've engaged Lent in the past that haven't really meant a whole lot to us, and we need to kind of rework what this all means. But Lent, I came across this quote this week. It says, Lent is a time of purification so that we can receive God's gifts more fully. You see, we want to be purified. We want to be cleansed of those things because when we're not When we're living with these walls that we've put up between God and us, it it keeps us from receiving God's grace and love. We put up walls because of our sin and then we don't acknowledge it. We don't want to deal with it. We're trying to hide it. And then all of a sudden, our hearts get very hard and God's love can't break through. The love that those around us are trying to give to us can't break through. And Jesus told his disciples... He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the truth doesn't have to be something that's something that we dread. The truth is a good thing, even if it's hard in the moment. And today we're going to close uh, with a prayer that I came across. It's, it's, it's a medieval Lenten prayer, and um, What I'd like you to do is uh, stand with me right now, and we're going to say this, a prayer together. We'll have it up on the screen. Just follow along with me. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me, within thy wounds hide me, permit me not to be separated from thee, from the wicked foe defend me, at the hour of my death call me, and bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Just leave that up there for me if you could. One thing that uh, I noticed as I was going through this and actually Aaron and I were talking about it the other day um, is that in this prayer we see things that only God can do. These are all things that only God can do but us in our our pride and our foolishness we, we think that we can do some of these things that first uh, sentence there, sanctify, that's a fancy word basically that means to to make us more like Christ. You see, Christ is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can fill us, the only one that can wash us, the only one that can strengthen us, the only one that can heal our wounds, the only one that can can keep us from not being separated from him, the only one that can defend us. And see, what we do is we go through life, many of us, and we try... We try to do things that only God can do because honestly, if you're like me, I like control. You see, I like these things. I want these things. I want to be washed. I want to be forgiven. I want to be made like Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be healed. The problem is, is I want to do it how I want to do it. I want it to feel like I want it to feel. I want it to require as much as me as I'm willing to give. I don't want it to hurt too bad. And so I am the one then that tries to do these things for myself. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. (laughs) You have to surrender that control because I'm really the only one that can do these things in your life. And so as we close today, we're gonna be heading into communion. I wanna invite you to participate if you so choose. At the inside of your uh, pews there, there's some white cloth. If you uh, are in the inside, if you could grab those and pass them down to the people in your row, there's also some pins I think that you will find there. You can use the ones in the back of uh, your pews if you need one. So pass those down. You can use the back of your program if you can't find one, that's fine. But this white cloth is, um, is, is supposed to symbolize kind of a surrender flag, okay? Like you run it up in a battle, I surrender, I'm done, I quit, So I would just invite you this morning, if there's something in your life right now that you're trying to do for yourself that only God can really do, I want to invite you to 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 write that down and surrender that this morning, and it might even be really good. You know, you might be really trying to do all that you can to be the best person that you can but you're doing it in your own strength. And if we can do it in our own strength, then why would we need Jesus? His death and and his resurrection would mean nothing to us if we could just do it by ourselves. And so what is it that you're trying to do in your life or an area of life where you're trying to do it? And maybe you've experienced some frustration in it and you just need to lay it down today and say, God, you need to do this. And what we're gonna do as we come up for communion is we're gonna make an exchange And so in a minute, we're going to have folks up here, uh, you know, ready to serve you. We'll dismiss you by row. And what we'd like you to do is as you come up, just bring that uh, flag with you and just drop it at the feet of the server and then exchange that for Christ's provision for you, his body, his blood broken for you so that you might have the strength to, to be the person that he wants you to be. So take some time to to work on that and uh, we'll start dismissing you for communion in a minute. If my servers can go ahead and come on up and, and get into place. We're going to go ahead and um, just give you a couple moments of silence just to pray. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we come to the table, um, that we need to examine ourselves. Just allow God's light to kind of shine around in our hearts and see if there's anything in us that needs to be revealed and um, confessed and brought before him. Um, So let me pray for us and we'll give you some silence now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your truth. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that in it we see an accurate reflection of our selfish, prideful spirits that wants to do things the way we want to do them. Lord, that wants to continue to live life the way we want to. Lord, I pray that you would break us of those things. God, that this information that we're learning would become knowledge, which would lead to confession and lead to change lead to wholeness and lead to truth. God, your word tells us that you desire truth in the inmost parts. And that truth can set us free, God. We give you this time. Pray that you would hear our prayers right now.